Welcome to the Fireside Giants podcast by Empire Sports Media. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Fireside Giants. I'm your host, Anthony Rovardo, joined by my co-host, the birthday man, Alex Wilson. And today, we're going to be talking about the New York Giants offense, how good it looked in that preseason game, and who we project to be the starters this upcoming season. And of course, we're going to go over our expectations for this unit, because last year, let's face it, it was a pretty good unit, but it wasn't perfect. The Giants definitely had some room for improvement after last season, so they went out into this offseason, added a whole bunch of playmakers for Daniel. Jones and now heading into 2023 the second season under Brian Dable and Mike Kafka we do have some pretty high expectations for this offense so we're excited to go ahead and dive into it in today's episode but before we do all that make sure to leave a like if you do enjoy this episode subscribe to the channel if you are new ring the bell so you don't miss an episode and comment your thoughts on the topic down below in the comment section if you're listening on Apple or Spotify please make sure to leave us a five-star review and go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants but without further ado Alex Happy birthday, my man. How are you doing, and what are your thoughts on this Giants offense? Thank you, good sir. I am doing fantastic, and as long as the Giants keep staying healthy and everything goes smoothly, my birthday will only get progressively better. Um, But I'll tell you what, starting off with the quarterback position, I mean, obvious starter Tommy DeVito is going to be having a tremendous 2023 season. I'm obviously just getting Daniel Jones in line for a huge year. And the one thing I am most excited about with Daniel Jones, the expansion of the deep ball, the expansion of the deep passing game. And I know you and Ali spoke about the receivers yesterday. I didn't really get to get my take on that, but I'll give you my seven receivers and you know I didn't really actually think about this before but I'll go with Isaiah Hodgins Sterling Shepard Jalen Hyatt Paris Campbell uh Darius Slayton well, I kind of use this finger before I use that finger so we're at five now and then who else do we have we have Wandell Robinson and I'll say I want to say Cole Beasley I want to throw Cole Beasley in there I mean I don't think I think Bryce Ford Wheaton could make this roster and Brian Dable or rather Joe Shane said recently uh that he's looking really good on special teams so I don't. I guess he would take a receiver spot. Um, Cole Beasley's kind of been injured the last couple of days. He hasn't played much. So at this point, like I, I feel like he could be an asset. Like the way that he played in that first preseason game, um, he was really, really sharp. I really liked what I saw from Cole Beasley. I think there could be substantial value there. But you have to ask, like, is it? Do we have too many slot guys? Like you have Paris Campbell, Wandale, and Shep. Like, do you need that many slot guys? Now you'll argue this. Uh, Shepard can play inside and out. You don't need him to be only a slot guy. So I think that's where I'm like, I don't really factor Shepard into the slot conversation because he played like 60% of his snaps out wide in 2021. Um, so I feel like there is a lot more to do with him in that in that regard. Paris Campbell too, like he's had a lot of experience on the outside as well. So these guys are versatile. You don't need them to be specifically slot guys. You can move them around the formation, which kind of opens up the idea of Beasley being like that slot guy, especially with Wandale kind of easing his way back in. Maybe you end up putting uh, Bryce Ford on the practice squad. I don't know if anyone's going to pick him up just yet. I don't think he's good enough uh, for another team to see him as like an immediate roster spot candidate. It's possible, I guess, but I don't think that someone would steal him. The question is, like, do you protect him? I think the Giants are able to protect a couple guys every week, so they could end, they could protect Bryce Ford Wheaton um, as one of their primaries. Uh, so, you know, they could go in these directions here, but those are the primaries. I, I feel really good. I mean, I factor Darren Waller into our receiver corps at this point. I don't even view him as a tight end. I view him more as a, as a WR1. Um, that $4 million cap hit. I mean, for goodness sake, I can't believe that we turned Kadarius Tony to Darren Waller and Trey Hawkins. I mean, if you guys recall, we got that third round pick and then the sixth round pick too. 
Trey Hawkins is looking the, looking the part of a starter. I mean, I, it's just mind-blowing. The, the Giants did such a tremendous job improving the overall athleticism on this roster. That's what uh, assistant GM Brandon Brown said this morning. We went out and we improved the athletic profile of our entire roster. We went out and got guys with 4-3 speed. We went out and got guys with tangible traits that are unmatched. You can't teach speed, guys. You can't teach athleticism but you can teach coachability you can teach guys that have that at profile and what they're doing with Hawkins is nothing short of just impressive um so you look at the cornerbacks now we're talking about the offense today but I, I wrote this morning I just wanted to get it off my chest the cornerbacks here were Trey Hawkins and Deontay Banks you're looking at two guys Deontay Banks ran a 4-3-5 and Trey Hawkins ran a 4-3-9 and you know you're looking at these guys just tre- tre- just tremendous tangibles and then on top of that, you're looking at guys who are now on rookie contracts for the next four years, Deontay Banks five years if you factor in their fifth-year option. So uh, overall, I mean, I'm ecstatic. I'm so excited about this season, guys. This Giants team, I haven't been this happy and, like, legitimately happy in the past. I'd force myself to be optimistic. I'm, like, legitimately optimistic this year, and I think that's really, really exciting. So, uh, like, heading back over to the offense, Anthony, how excited are you? We'll start off here with the tight end position because I know I just said Waller's a kind of a receiver here. But Daniel Bellinger and Waller. Those wing formations, what they were doing with those two guys in that first drive against the Panthers, it got me really excited. That dynamic duo, how are you feeling about that? That could be something really special we see this season. I think it could be really special, and it's something that I've been hitting on for the past few days since that preseason game. We saw the impact of Darren Waller in multiple ways during that first drive against the Panthers because we saw him play as a receiver. We saw him play in the slot. We saw him play as an inline tight end, make plays from all three of those positions, and then we saw how he impacts other players in this lineup because if you watch that touchdown, the Giants lined up with two tight ends on the left side, Waller in line, Bellinger also in line in that 12 personnel lineup, and you had a smash concept on the left side where you had Waller running the corner out to the back post, and then you had down in the flat Daniel Bellinger running wide open. What happened was Darren Waller was carving up the Panthers' defense the entire drive, so once they got down into the red zone, they double-teamed Waller, left Bellinger wide open for an easy walk-in touchdown. That's the impact of Darren Waller on Daniel Bellinger. A lot of people thought when the Giants traded for, for Darren Waller, the impact on Bellinger would be pushing him down the depth chart, taking away some of his snaps, giving him less opportunities to make plays, but in fact, it's the opposite. They're just going to run more 12 personnel. If you look at the stats, Daniel Jones excels with two tight ends on the field throughout his career. Historically, he plays better when the Giants have an extra tight end on the field, and now they have two really good tight ends. One is a superstar, and then one is a very good young and upcoming talent in Daniel Bellinger. So, now you're going to see a lot of two tight end sets, maybe even some three tight end sets. Brian Dable, don't put anything past him. He likes to get creative and put the best players on the field. So once we get into the season, expect to see a lot of Darren Waller all over the field, but also expect to see a good, healthy helping of Daniel Bellinger at that tight end spot, making plays in the short to intermediate area while Waller pretty much just runs all over the defense. And again, I just think that's where Darren Waller becomes so valuable to this team because he's not just a tight end. He's a receiver. He's a slot guy. He is a tight end. He does all of these things, and the defense has to respect that. They are forced to match up against him, to double team him. So you're going to see opportunities where Darren Waller is running right down the middle of the field, and two players are just running after him, trying to guard him, and then there's Daniel Bellinger just sitting down in the flat, wide open, because nobody's paying attention to him. It's what we saw in that preseason game. We're going to see it all regular season long, and it's only going to be more impactful when 
Saquon Barkley is in the lineup because that's a player who was missing on on Friday's game against the Panthers. Saquon Barkley did not suit up for the preseason game. I don't blame him. I don't blame the Giants for bubble wrapping him. He does not need to play. But once we get into this upcoming regular season and we see Saquon Barkley on the field as well as Darren Waller, then you're going to have defenses basically put into a box. They're going to have to to decide, are we double-teaming Waller on this play or are we double-teaming Saquon Barkley? Because we know if we double-team Barkley, Waller's going to get open. If we double-team Waller, there goes Barkley. So that's what defenses are going to have to plan for against the New York Giants. And that's why this offense really does have potential to be one of the best in the NFL this year. Darren Waller changes the entire landscape of this offensive scheme and opens up opportunities for every single playmaker on this field. But I mentioned Saquon Barkley, Alex, and now I want to talk about Saquon Barkley because I'm sure that you, as well as I, have very high expectations for him going into the season. We saw how he played last year finally returned to form, was fully healthy, put the team on his back in some of those games. I mean, you think back to that Chicago game where Daniel Jones had a hurt ankle, uh, Tyrod Taylor dove into that concussion. So Saquon Barkley went out there in the wild card and pretty much put the team on his back and ran them across the finish line. So we know how impactful Saquon Barkley can be to this offense. But now, Alex, what's your new perspective, your new outlook on Barkley now that he's not the only superstar in the lineup, right? Like I mentioned, Darren Waller, defense has have to give him plenty of attention, but they got to do the same for Barkley. How do you think the impact or how do you think the acquisition of Waller is going to impact Barkley in his production this season? Guys, I want to get something straight right off the bat here. Saquon Barkley may have his most efficient season as a Giants. I think when you look at his overall production, we may not see the replication of his rookie season, but I think in terms of yards per carry, in terms of you know yards after the catch, I think in terms of efficiency, he's going to be the most efficient version of himself this year, which also will keep him healthy, right? In a perfect world, Saquon Barkley gets less touches because that means everybody else is getting more touches. And that's exactly what you want. The Giants had no choice but to lean on Saquon at a rate that was in, like, it was just unsustainable. Now they can start to spread the ball around. You're looking at Campbell. You're looking at Wanda. You're looking at Slayton, Hyatt, Waller. I mean, Bellinger. There's so many. I mean, you could run the ball with Daniel Jones, for God's sake. There's so many options the Giants have now. And this allows Saquon Barkley to command the attention he normally does. Uh, but at the end of the day, he also walks away with the same level of efficiency, if not well, if not well uh, improved, in my opinion. So I, I'm expecting to see fewer touches, but the touches that Saquon does get are going to be a lot better. So that's where I'm looking at with Saquon Barkley. I think that you know his job just got a lot easier. The scheme is going to be so much more creative. Like we saw what the Giants did in that first drive, right? Imagine if that there was a screen pass. I think they ended up throwing a slant to Waller, uh, but it was supposed to be a screen pass to the running back. It was Eric Ray there. Um, instead of being Saquon Barkley, there was blockers, three or four blockers with nobody in front of him. If if Saquon gets that ball, you're talking about 30, 40 yard game. Maybe he takes it to the house. Like that's that's the type of blocking he had. That's the type of advantage he had in that situation because of how the offense was schemed up. Um, and then you had three guys on on uh, Waller. You had a, a linebacker that was hovering there. You had a, a cornerback on him. You had a safety crashing down. Three guys they had on Waller still couldn't, still couldn't stop him. You know what I mean? Like you're you're looking at a scheme now that it isn't just relying on one player to confuse everybody. You now you have a scheme that. You can't let Jalen Hyatt get in the backfield without having a deep safety over top. You can't let Darius Slayton get in the backfield without having a deep safety over top. If you have two guys streaking down the side, you need two safeties. You have to play two deep safeties, which means you're taking defenders out of the middle intermediate portions of the field. Then you have the linebackers who are, are have to get closer to the line of scrimmage because of guys like Saquon Barkley. Think about 
If Saquon Barkley is averaging four, four and a half yards per touch, and then bam, play action, those linebackers are biting down, you got speed in the outside, there is a massive gap in the middle of the field, and you have those crossing concepts you can exercise. Darren Waller is going to feed. He is going to be an absolute menace in the intermediate portions of the field. He is going to be so productive, and word to the wise, draft him in your fantasy leagues. People, other fans, other teams do not know what he's doing with us right now. People that are in your fantasy leagues that may not be Giants fans, they don't know what this guy is capable of doing. They don't know he's 100% healthy and looking like a star. You know, this is this is an opportunity to buy low on him right now and you're going to have a really good tight end for the probably the full season. Like, he's going to rack up yards. He is a red zone threat. Um, as long as he stays healthy, which is the major, major catalyst, I am very excited. But that's not even touching on, you know, Daniel Bellinger. And, you know, we talked about Saquon, talked about Waller. Bellinger ended up with the touchdown. And why? Because two guys followed Darren Waller into the end zone, and he ended up wide open in the flat. What Darren Waller does for everybody is it allows everybody to have one-on-one one-on-one matchups and scheme guys open. Bellinger is a tremendous blocker. He's got really, really good hands. His route, run is, ru- route, his route running is, is expanding, and his red zone efficiency is also showcasing uh, big improvements. Last year, he was very solid in that regard. I really like Bellinger. This is a really nice one-two. I don't think we see many teams with this type of one-two tight end formation. You remember, like, the Aaron Hernandez and Gronk days? Like, those are the two tight end, like, kind of sets that you were like, whoa, look, those guys are dangerous, and they both were ridiculous. We may be kind of building something not similar to that, but similar in the way that we have two tight ends that are capable of producing at very high levels, and... It's very unique because you don't oftentimes have that. Maybe you have a star running back and you have a star receiver. Maybe you have a really good tight end and a couple. Maybe you're like the Chiefs and you have a couple of like middling receivers, you know, minus Tyreek Hill, obviously, with Miami now. But like you just have so many weapons to go to here. A star tight end can work wonders for an offense. You don't need a wide receiver one if you have a superstar tight end. Now, again, Waller, I'm not going to say he's superstar right now, coming off two injury riddled seasons. If all goes to plan, if fruition comes to reality, you're going to see this Giants offense take a step forward that is almost incomprehensible from what we saw last year. One of the biggest steps forward, I think, that we'll see in the NFL. Um, now's a good time to buy low on some of those projections if you're if you're a betting guy. So um, I'm definitely excited about it. But, you know, what are your thoughts on those topics? Listen, I think that you're right. It's time to buy low if you're a fantasy guy on these Giants playmakers. And I think that you mentioned Barkley, of course. You mentioned Waller, Bellinger, a lot of those guys. But even when you dig into this receiving core, it's deep. It's expansive. There's a lot of talent in there. And it's kind of one of those situations where any one of those guys could break free, right? We could see that Darius Slayton breakout season. He is. I said this in yesterday's episode. I've said this a couple times on the channel. He's my absolute sleeper pick. I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but he is my sleeper to reach 1,000 receiving yards. It's not outside of the realm of possibility it's a passing league yes I expect for Barkley to go for a thousand rushing yards I expect for Waller to push towards a thousand receiving yards as well but I also think that the Giants are gonna throw the ball more they're gonna throw the ball downfield a lot more and I think that opens up a lot of opportunities for Darius Slayton to make plays for Daniel Jones to hopefully push for over 4,000 passing yards and that could ultimately wind up being Waller and Slayton reaching a thousand yards it's not outside of the realm of possibilities in my mind because look at Slayton's career numbers almost every single season of his career minus 2021 was a bad year for him a bad year for the entire Giants offense I mean there was Mike Glennon out there quarterback at one point let's keep that in mind but when you look at Slayton's career almost every single season he's topped 700 700 receiving yards 750 in some seasons so him going for a thousand is not crazy in fact last year if he wasn't banged up he was on pace to go for a thousand receiving yards so it's 
real it's a realistic possibility for him to crack 1k and i think that when you look at slayton in this offense now now that he's not the focal point i mean let's let's be honest guys darius slayton a good player but should never be the focal point of a receiving game but now he won't be so now he has an opportunity here to kind of sneak his way wide open on a lot of these plays because yes he's the wr1 but he's not playmaker one he's playmaker three now right you have barkley is playmaker one you have waller is arguably the other playmaker one playmaker two and then you have playmaker three in darius slayton and he's going to find himself in a lot of favorable matchups because of that and hopefully make a lot of deep plays and rack up a ton of receiving yards plus as we know from speaking with drew lieberman his wide receiver coach he's really worked on some things he's made a lot of progress this offseason on his hands, on his route running, his speed, everything. He's done a lot to improve his game. So I'm really high on Darius Slayton. That's a guy I think not enough people are hyping up, not enough people are talking about. He's a sleeper right now, and he realistically could crack a 1,000 receiving yards. He was on pace to do it last year. But the only player that could stop him from doing that well, other than the other teams, it is Isaiah Hodgins, because Isaiah Hodgins might have that breakout season. The the chemistry that him and Daniel Jones had off the bat was so impressive, because Hodgins is a guy that came in here mid-season and instantly hit it off with Daniel Jones, was scoring touchdowns left and right, especially in the red zone. They had off-script chemistry as well, with Hodgins finding open spaces and zones. We saw that against the Minnesota Vikings when Jones rolled left, fired left on the sideline to Hodgins, a great play by the two of them, um, and and you just see plays like that all the time from Isaiah Hodgins. They have good chemistry. And then the receiving core gets even deeper, Alex. You've still got Jalen Hyatt, who a lot of fans feel like could sneak his way into the offensive rookie of the year conversation if he continues to make plays like he has all throughout training camp. So when you're looking at this group of receivers, Alex, not to beat the dead horse here, but there's a lot of players to talk about, right? And we've been talking about them. But when you're looking at Darius Slayton, my expectations seem to be higher than most fans. Again, it's a sleeper pick for me, but I do think he could reach a thousand yards. I want to know what your thoughts are on that and also how you're feeling generally about other guys in this mix like Hodgins and like Jalen Hyatt. I mean, man, you saw the Hyatt speed this past weekend, guys. I mean, this this player is special. Brandon Brown said something really interesting this morning. Actually, I wanted to touch on. He said, uh, "We talked to the the playmaking, like the you know the guys, the coaching staff at Tennessee, and they basically were like, yeah, like we wanted Jalen Hyatt to specifically play a certain way. We wanted to kind of use him in this facet." And Brandon Brown was like, we saw what he could do physically. We saw that there was a lot more to his game than just the way they were using him. And the fact that we got him in the third round, maybe one of the biggest deals in this draft class straight up. Um, this is going to be a very fun year to watch him because you can't teach the level of speed he's got, guys. You're, this generational speed, generational game speed. If you if you have him 1v1 with a safety, he just pulls away. Like that, that uh, touchdown that he had um, – that little head fake, that little look in, 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 inward to the field, that corner route. I mean, you saw the the safety kind of bait, just bite, just a, just a slip of the little, little piece of the cookie. Hyatt was gone. He was gone. Like, the, And he wasn't even running at full speed. He was jogging. It looked like he was jogging. He took off. That level of uh, efficiency is hard to come by. That level of speed is hard to come by. I think there's a very bright future for Jalen Hyatt. And you know, you're looking at some of the other guys. Hodgins, very good hands. He got open a couple times. He played into the second quarter. I was very, very optimistic about what I saw from Hodgins. I think he's a good player. He's going to be a nice player on this team for um, at least this upcoming season. Um, there's a lot of good receivers. But, you know, Anthony, when you're looking at the offensive line, let's talk about them for a second. What are your thoughts on this guard position specifically? 
Yeah, there's a lot to talk about with the Giants' interior of their offensive line. Firstly, got to highlight the dominance of John Michael Schmitz in that second preseason game. Looked like a stud. Looked like the best center that the Giants have had in a very long time. And that's exactly what we expect him to be. So I'm excited about JMS going into his rookie season. I think that there's a really solid chance he is the Giants' second best offensive lineman on this team as a rookie. Uh, It's kind of shocking because, you know, you've got other guys in here that were drafted high like Evan Neal. But with John Michael Schmitz, he's that good, guys. And he already looks that good. So other than Andrew Thomas, he might be the Giants' best offensive lineman as a rookie, which is exciting. But playing alongside John Michael Schmitz, now there's two ginormous question marks. In fact, there's three question marks because there's only two positions, but three players are contending for these two positions. You've got Ben Bredesen, who absolutely deserves a starting role, whether it's on the left side or the right side. He needs to be starting this year. Ben Bredesen is one of the Giants' best offensive linemen. He's one of their best offensive talents. He needs to be on the field for a starting amount of snaps. But then you have those two other guys. Joshua Zidu. What do we have in Zidu? Third round pick last year, was injured for the majority of the season, has looked good at times, but overall underwhelming, I'd say. And then you also have Mark Lewinsky, a veteran player who, since joining the Giants, has definitely been a bit underwhelming. So what is the decision here? Do you put Ben Bredesen at right guard and take snaps away from Mark Lewinsky? Or do you put him at left guard and take snaps away from a younger talent that you're still trying to develop in Joshua Zidu? That's the big question mark, because in my opinion, it looks like both Glinsky and Azidu, not up to the par of a starting caliber NFL offensive lineman. You know, they're just not at that level right now. But Ben Bredesen is. So one of those two positions is getting locked in. And I think the other one comes down to who plays better in practice, who plays better in the preseason versus Glowinski and Azidu. I actually think that it's a position battle between those two players. Now, I know that we've been talking about it being a left guard battle. Who starts left guard? Is it Bredesen or is it Azidu? Or is it a battle between Bredesen and Glowinski? I think what it really comes down to, who's better, Glowinski or Azidu? Whichever one is better, you start them, and then you plug Bredesen in on the other side. So if Golinski's better than Azidu, you put Bredesen at left guard. If is better than Golinski, you put Bredesen at right guard, and you start Azidu on the left side. That's how I think that this is going to shake out here. But at the same point, the Giants love doing that weird rotation thing at the guard position. All of last year, we had Nick Gates going in, then we had Azidu going in, then we had Bredesen going in. I don't really understand it. I know a lot of fans on, on social media also do not understand it, and a lot of the writers also agree. It's just kind of a confusing thing that the Giants are doing, but I think they're sticking with it because throughout the training camp, throughout preseason, they've been continuing to go with this rotation at the guard spot. Personally, I think you got to pick one guy, let him settle into the position, get comfortable, get used to the floor of the game in that position, but the Giants really like going with that rotation. So Alex, what are your thoughts on that offensive line rotation that the Giants keep doing? And who do you think ultimately shapes out and becomes the starters at both of those positions? I mean, look, I think Ben Bredesen and Glowinski, like they've had enough reps at at their specific positions, whether it be life, uh, left guard or right guard, that they, like, they're comfortable there. But I think the Giants are saying to themselves, like, we need to find the best combination of those guys, like of Azudu, um, you know, of Glowinski and Ben Bredis. And we need to find out who is performing the best at left guard and right guard. So they're just flip-flopping them, seeing who sticks, seeing what happens. Um, if I was to give my general 
you know, kind of projection right now, I'd say I think that Ben Bredesen starts at left guard, and I think that Glowinski starts at right guard. But I think Josh Zudu's in the mix here. I think that he has a lot of potential, and there's he just needs more time to develop at the end of the day. Like, there's, it's just a little bit too early for him right now. Uh, coming off a season where he was kind of injury-riddled, there was a lot of concerns about his footwork and whatnot, and he was going up against some, like, backups. I think that they could ease him in, but I think right now they're just kind of utilizing the experience they have. I like Ben Bredesen. I think he's actually a pretty good player. Azudu had some really good snaps um, in the last game, but he also was a little bit off balance at times. So right now, you know, Glowinski, he's the veteran there. I think he starts at right guard, Ben Bredesen at left guard. Uh, but Azudu, he's in the mix here. He's going to be, like, if there's an injury, if there's inconsistencies, if someone's not playing well, they're going to make that switch very, very quickly. Um, that's personally how I kind of see this unfolding. Yeah, and I could see that too. I mean, maybe you just throw the guy out there, give them a short leash. That might be the way you have to play it um, and the strategy that the Giants have to go out there with because, again, these players... While sometimes they look good, they're very inconsistent. Azidu, again, flashes brilliance, and then he just flashes disappointment. Same thing with Lewinsky. We see him play well at times. Other times, he just looks like he doesn't belong on the field. So, Bredesen is the one guy of those three that I know needs to be a starter. And then the other two, let them duke it out. Whoever plays better, give them the other starting job. But one thing that I know for sure, Bredesen needs to be in the starting lineup. But... This offensive line could make or break this whole unit, in my opinion. This offensive side of the ball, it's only going to go as far as its offensive line takes him. Thankfully, we have Andrew Thomas, arguably the best left tackle in football. He should help lead this team. And we're really hoping to see Evan Neal take a big step forward in his second season. And if he does that, I think the Giants offense is going to be rather pretty and fun to watch this upcoming season. Lots of weapons that we just broke down. And of course, can't go without mentioning Daniel Jones. We expect huge things from him. He kept the turnovers down last year. He showed off his legs and he made freaking plays. He played winning football and led the Giants to their first playoff win in over a decade last season. So I'm really excited for Daniel Jones and everything that he's going to be doing to lead this offense in 2023. But of course, we also want to hear what you guys think about this offense down below in the comment section. So make sure to leave a like if you did enjoy this episode. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Ring the bell so you don't miss an episode and comment your thoughts on this topic down below in the comment section. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five-star review and go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. But without further ado, we will catch you all in the next one. Have a good one and let's go Giants.